Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 31, Religious Holidays, recorded Thursday, November 28th of 2013, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, and Brandon. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Brandon. Guys, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. Good. All How right. about you? Going pretty well. Got a new microphone, which is exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's quite a dramatic upgrade from the uh, the old headset. Yes, the, the scratchy beard-humping microphone. Yes. This <laughs> <laughs> clings ew. to the beard. Oh, ew. no. You, ew, ew. I actually had to trim my beard when I was using the headset sometimes, where you get these squamous horrible squelching noises it was bad yeah (laughs) so sound of beard in the microphone yeah in the microphone was the problem yes so i'm now using a slightly more professional mic and it sounds great so yeah so how was your thanksgivings both of you it was good it was really good it was really good here too how about yours mine was really good uh there was a whole lot of cooking let's see i made three types of chili uh chicken chili a vegetarian chili and non-vegetarian beef chili because uh, we had some vegetarians over. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a whole bunch of pizza because we had uh, relatives over to our house. Mm-hmm. I made uh, tomato soup for the first time. Ooh. I also made three cheesecakes, which came out really, really well. I made a plain cheesecake, a Reese's cheesecake, and from cooking comically, the cheesecake of champions. Nice. Thank oh, you, that Peter. The, uh, espresso yeah. one or no? Uh, the the first cheesecake he made. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and that was actually the reason why it was doing it. So I have to thank uh, Peter for the impetus that got me to make cheesecake. And Tyler Caps, who also provided the impetus through Peter showing me him, his stuff. I think it's Tyler Caps. Oh, that cooking comically thing is so yes. much fun. <laughs> comically is awesome. Yep. No, that's, that's awesome. And Brandon, I had no idea you cooked that much. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. I, I cook a lot. Uh, the pizza did not come out as good. Like my little trick of putting on a, a tin foil underneath of it so that I could transport it easily seems to not be working. So I must find another way to transport my pizzas. We've got a, a really nice pizza tray that's ventilated. That see, works. I'm picturing really an armored well. pizza delivery truck now. <sighs> well, Snow no, crash. See, I, I need to get it from the counter to the oven. <laughs> ah, um, magic. Yes. <laughs> That's, that's oh, my only telekinesis and magic, yes. Yep. Uh, if I had telekinesis and magic, I'm not going to lie to you, I would use it for making pizza also, but I use it for so many other things. Yeah, I mean, pizza should not be left out of this equation. No. Mm-hmm. No, certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My side of the family eats with a family friend who I think was born in Maine and lived all of her life up in the Northeast. And then my wife was born and raised down here in South Carolina. So... We do my side of the family's Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day, and it's this Yankee Thanksgiving, oyster stuffing, turnips, boiled onions, this fantastic dressing. And then we go to my wife's Thanksgiving that she does a lot of the cooking for, and oh, it's so Southern. It's mac and cheese and ham and this thick dressing that's mostly cornbread, except somehow even drier and more mouth-parching and delicious. (laughs) So basically, you get two massively gourmet regional Thanksgivings. 
Yes. Wow. Mm. I mean, we, we get two Thanksgiving dinners in one day because uh, Ooh, my wife's parents live about 80 miles from mm. us. So we drive down there, see them, uh, have our first Thanksgiving dinner about one thirty-two, and then mm-hmm. get in the car and drive up to my folks' place and have another Thanksgiving dinner with them around 6. Yeah. See, because I know you, I was fully convinced that when you said around one thirty-two, you meant one thirty-two p.m. on the nose, no questions asked. <laughs> no. <laughs> Somewhere between one thirty p.m. and 2 o'clock p.m. Yeah. No, my wife, when uh, she was dating someone else uh, well before we met, uh, his parents were divorced, so they had to do three Thanksgiving dinners in one day. Oh, man. Yeah. We at least spread ours out over two days, so... Well, I do have to say the food was great at both. Um, Good. We were able to eat a small enough amount at the first one where we still had, you know, the ability to eat at the second one, which is good. Yeah. And spending three hours in the car would be awful if I didn't like and get along with my <laughs> wife so much. Funny It's that. actually, it's a really nice time for us because we don't always get several uninterrupted hours sure. just to ourselves to chat and things, so... I actually kind of look forward to the large amount of driving that we do for major holidays. Yeah. And I mean, you live in a flat state. It's not like you have to pay attention. So Yeah. And honestly, we really don't very much. <laughs> no, the, I know. I've driven one road that. most of the way. There's this one numbered highway that we'd get on and, and we're on that goes. for like an hour. Yep. <laughs> just yeah. driving in a straight <laughs> I'm line. I'm not really being facetious. It's just, you no, know, you're... <laughs> and I am, I am shuddering in terror of the idea of, oh, no, we don't have to pay attention while driving. Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's levels of attention. I mean, you know, it, watching out for other traffic, yeah, you have to do that. Watching out for sudden unexpected hairpin hills, not so much. No. Around here, it's just deer trying to commit suicide. So. Ah, uh, Yes. We get that around here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just because it's flat doesn't mean it's not forested in areas. Well, and Around here, there there are hills and turns and things like that, but there's there's really no hairpin ones. Although it is, uh, it's really disconcerting having to drive basically on a mountainside with one side is a huge, is the rock face, and the other side is the way down. Oh, yeah. Driving that in less than optimal conditions is really scary. And I have to do that to go visit one of my friends who lives on the other side of a mountain. And so that is kind of scary. And, and as Peter, and I'm sure Grant remember, that's the impudence for uh, the beginning of my Oswar story. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> Flying that, off like, a mountain. Like, yeah. My fears of what's going to happen to me while driving that road is... is <laughs> You'll be transported to a dystopian Oz. <laughs> yeah, is a dystopian That happens up Oz. in the mountains. Well-known fact. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's move on i do want to give a shout out real quick to a couple of different people no one by name in particular but we've had a lot of new listeners over the past couple of episodes uh people who've found us through one means or another and i just wanted to kind of say hey to all of them and tell them hey welcome we're glad you're here yeah absolutely i wanted to also remind everybody about our fundraiser our uh, christmas fundraiser that we are doing for the bodana group if you are not familiar with the bodana group it is amazing uh it's a uh, nonprofit that uses tabletop role-playing games as a form of drama therapy for children impacted by sexual trauma. And, and they, they also fantastic. do some work with um, compassion fatigue in other therapy professionals. Right. So they're a really neat organization. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we had them on for episode 25. If you haven't listened to that episode, 
do so. Jack Birkenstock, executive director, amazing guest. We had a great time with him, and he was incredibly mm-hmm. informative. And we're going to be referencing episode 25 until the end of time. <laughs> well, until we have mm-hmm. Jack back on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, and I've been talking with Jack about some other side project stuff that, ooh, yeah, not necessarily directly related to us, but stuff that he's working on that I want to try and help him get going with. So, secret. Um, Dang it. I was going to ask you stuff. <laughs> yeah, nothing set in stone, so I don't want to commit him to something. But right. You know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, go to our webpage, savingthegamepodcast.org. You'll see a link to our fundraiser through Razu. We're competing with five other RPG podcast five now, others yep. it's up to six right mm-hmm. it is so. uh, it's all part of the 2013 RPG podcasters charity drive and the podcast that raises the most money will get prizes from drive through RPG silver Griffin games evil hat productions Margaret Weiss productions and Atlas games so we'd really like to win that well I'm probably going to try to see if I can reach out to a couple other podcast friends outside of the RPG gaming sphere good and good. bring them in <laughs> there's there have been other podcasts in the past that I have contributed to in minor ways yeah. that may listen to <laughs> the only other podcast I have contributed to a lot of these guys are on uh, the RPG yeah. roundtable. So yeah, um, that's a and I have triple Z Omega celebrity status, which is to say nobody knows me through anything but this. So I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, donate to them. They're amazing. And if you have any worries about it, you can go to the fundraiser page. We have all of the procedure explained. You know, we don't touch any of the money. It all goes directly to them, et cetera, et cetera. And, what in the uh, world was that noise? <laughs> My cell phones. I don't know, but I'm leaving that it in. That is staying in. That is totally staying in. <laughs> it is, in fact, a discovered secret. Yeah, I know my Zelda. All right. I got an email. That's, that's what happens when I get an email. I'm a little jealous. All right. Well, when I get a text, it goes, hey, listen, I think that was in a podcast earlier. Yep, it was. Anybody else have any news and notes? I think we've covered it all. Let's uh, let's dig into our topic, which is holidays, specifically religious holidays today. Right. Yes. It is, after all, Christmas or just about. So we wanted to do something that was not totally Christmas related, but somewhat, mm-hmm. at least relevant to the season. So, yeah. All right. Uh, and we've got three pieces of scripture. Anybody want to take the, the first one here from Isaiah? I'll take it. All right. Uh, this is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. And we have Luke 2, 13 through 15. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said unto one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And the last piece of scripture that we've got is Romans 14, verses 5 and 6. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. 
the one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Cool. You mentioned earlier that this is going to be about religious holidays. Yes. I, I think it's important that we first distinguish what we mean by religious holidays and what other kind of holidays are there that we may talk about at a later date and yeah. things like that. So yeah, that's a good idea. Really, there's not too many other types of holidays, I would say. There's, you know, national and state holidays, government holidays, if you will. And then this is there- where things like Independence Day in the United States would sure. fall in or Cinco yeah. de Mayo in Mexico. Yeah. And Thanksgiving, and usually they're things that demark a certain historic event or uh, person that happened. And, sure, a national yeah. hero, the founding of the nation. That's yeah, something important to the history of the nation specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And there are, of course, other subculture holidays, especially recently, you know, Talk Like a Pirate Day and uh, – Others pie like, day. Yeah, Pi Day. There you <laughs> yeah. go. That's a good example. Things like that. Those are not really even holidays so much as days people have decided, let's do a thing. Um, yeah. And there's n- nobody gets Pi Day off, as cool as that would be. Yeah. <laughs> if I got Pi Day off, then I'd beg the next day off for my birthday. So <laughs> See, there you go. But we're specifically wanting to talk about religious holidays and why they're important to a game, what you can do to make them realistic in a game, the trappings you can give them, activities that are going on, things that players can get involved with, what meanings they might have and what you can impart with them. But the first thing I wanted to talk about is why religious holidays are important to a game. And I I think there's two reasons for it. Uh, The first, perhaps the most obvious one, is verisimilitude. It gives life to a game. If you have an invented uh, religion in a game, you know, like a Forgotten Realms game that you're playing or something like that, if you can say, yeah, you know, it's a particular holiday here where certain religious observances happen, things are happening around you, then that world that you're playing in and telling a story in, it becomes a little more real. There's a life to that setting that exists outside of the player characters. And I think that's important to just about every game. Yeah. I mean, it'll anything that you can do that makes your setting feel more like a real place and less like just an environment that adventures take place in Mm -hmm. is a good thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It also breathes life into a religion. So it's not just like I follow the God of light and he says I should use a mace and that orcs are evil And I should smite them. Yeah, it's much more interesting if it's, uh, no, actually, we can't heal you today. Uh, The temple is closed for fasting and meditation. Yeah. Uh, What? Sorry. (laughs) Or we can heal you, but we can't help you with any kind of research today or... No, no, the library is closed. This is our day of rest. Right. Or alternatively, huh, there's a huge line outside the temple. Why is that? Oh, because they're giving out blessings and healings to everybody because it marks this particular saint's day of martyrdom, things like that. Or alternatively, you walk into town and there's a huge celebration going on. You know, the the place is decorated. People are, you know, happy. And there's like a huge um, old style Thanksgiving feast set up in the town square and people are eating at huge tables and stuff. And you're like, whoa, what's going on here? And it's like, oh, you know, the great heroic martyr St. Stephen Robert of Tiernport you know, slew the great dragon and died in the process here. And yeah, and this is his feast day, things like that. Yeah. That also kind of sounds a lot of like what you were talking about there. It almost blurs the line between state and national. 
uh, and religious because and that happens it's a an lot actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things like uh, Thanksgiving here in the United States, it's a state holiday, but there's definitely some religious undertones to it. Conversely, Christmas, which we also celebrate here in the United States, is celebrated by a lot of atheists because it's a family and national holiday. Yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. And depending on the setting, that line may blur more or less. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. If you're in a theocracy, then the state and religious holidays will be the exact same thing. Right. Or the religion is the state. Specific to a particular ruler's or a particular government's religion, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if, say, the king of your area is Jewish, then there'll probably be a whole bunch more Hanukkah celebrations than there are going to be uh, Christmas celebrations. Sure. And Passover. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And And especially when you have a setting where there's some change happening that may vary from rain to rain fairly quickly. Uh, for example, in England, you know, during the Reformation and all of the chaos, if you will, that happened right around then, uh, you had kind of a quick switch from Henry VIII to his son Edward to, I want to say Mary, I can't remember her name, but it was, it kind of went. Uh, you know, the founder of English Protestantism in Henry VIII, another Protestant king who reigned for a very short time, a Catholic queen who reigned for a very short time, and then Elizabeth I, who reigned for a long period of time and really solidified Protestantism in England. So you had this back and forth and back and forth. And even getting outside of actual established religions mm-hmm. that you have co-opted into your game – Having holidays says something about your religions, about yeah. what they call to worship, what they desire, like if oh, what they if, value. Yeah. If all of their holidays or most of their holidays speak about great acts and martyr- martyrdom done by their saints, then that means that they value martyrdom done by their saints. Mm-hmm. A more battle religion might aspire great victories that their uh, holy warriors have triumphed over. Yeah. And they might celebrate that in a whole very different way. I mean, it might be a feast or it might be gladiatorial combat games. And what they or maybe choose both. to use to celebrate a particular event and what different cultures in different places use to celebrate an event says a lot about them. You know, like you said, we could do feasting or gladiatorial combat or fasting or everybody gets up at dawn and sings a, a hymn in the morning, something like that. Everybody wades across the icy river. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, uh, <laughs> Which was oh, one of my favorite yeah. things that you came up with for that setting. There's this crazy holiday. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. I, I, I also liked how you, you sort of tied it into their actual ritual rites later on. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. really good. In, in the, yeah. uh, the fiction you wrote for it, that was really solid. Yeah. The other thing you could think about is... Um, a lot of times it could be a fast, not of, uh, not just food, but of doing things or, you know, being able to do things. I think, uh, Lent and in the Jewish, uh, culture of, uh, not being able to turn on, on electronics on, uh, the Sabbath. Right. Yeah. The very, he- mm-hmm. the restrictions that are put on people on the Sabbath or wearing certain clothing on certain days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, th- and that may not be prescribed. It may be. A cultural thing, you know, mm-hmm. people tend to dress better on Sunday because they're going to church and they're doing things after church, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think this could even encompass things like a lot of people around Christmas do some extra charitable work. 
You know, yeah. it's there's not like a specific official thing that you do, but I mean, people will volunteer more or give a little bit of extra money to charity or something kind of in yeah. the spirit of the season, you know, yeah. it's like or they'll do charity drives for the Madonna group. Yes. And then, yes, wink, exactly. wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also have to think about everything that you choose to say about a holiday or things like that says something. I mean, a holiday where people are supposed to be austere and go without is going to have a very different feel and say something very different about the religion than a holiday which is about merriment and cheer and getting drunk and like being with family and having good times and just, you know, all the merriment. A holiday where you just give gifts to someone is going to be different than a holiday where you just have a huge feast, which is going to be different from than a holiday where you have a huge feast and give gifts to people. Each one of those says something different, and it lets you construct whatever you want. And since this is your world, because I'm assuming I'm talking to someone who's running a game here, because if you're not running a game, then... You know, maybe you can go to the person running the game and say, hey, buddy, like, yeah, I mean, I think as a player, you can certainly say, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this was happening or I'm going to flesh out the religion I've picked in my game and can we go with this? You have much more control over it as a GM, but I don't think players should just, you know, turn off the episode and find something else to listen to at this point. I think they can add a they can use a lot of this to fill in the GM's Well, and let me just since I've got an opportunity, let me throw in a little, I guess, foible of mine about gaming. Mm-hmm. If you're playing exclusively, you should give GMing a try at least once in your gaming career. Yeah. Because it seems much more daunting until you actually do it, and you might find it really enjoyable once you kind of get over your apprehension. And I think it'll make you a better player. Oh, yeah. it definitely does that. Oh, yeah. And even if you're not good at it, you can still get away with it. Heck, I'm not good at it really, and I get away with it. You're, you're doing, like, three games at <laughs> yeah, once? Yeah, you, you've given out some really good GMing advice, and some of the stories that you tell are indicative <laughs> that you're actually a fairly proficient GM. I, yeah. I I call falsehood on this one. Yeah, listen, Brandon, <laughs> I don't think of myself as a good GM, and I had two people tell me after my last Shadowrun session that it was the best game in a campaign that they have ever played. Yeah, it was okay. pretty awesome. <laughs> And I'll have to tell you about that. I don't want to dive into an irrelevant gaming story off the mu- on the mics here, but oh, that was, that was fun! So much fun! Yes, that <laughs> was had, so much everybody fun. Everybody was just giggling. It was great. Anyway, <laughs> to be fair, a good part of that was also due to one particular player. But that was well, really yeah, a lot he's of fun. awesome. Yes, he is. We love you, Mumbles. Having a good player in your games really helps. I have a one player who's in a lot of uh, or two of my games, and usually plays a somewhat out there character that I've routinely kind of picked on mm-hmm. in some fashions. Uh, in the Dresden game, it's because the person made a character that has just so many delicious hooks that I just keep throwing fate chips at him to be like the worst person in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> doing that somewhat with uh, the Savage Worlds game. I'm kind of <laughs> like, who wants a Benny? Will you do this thing for me? <laughs> well, it's it's like he's put his character as being rebellious and, and a thief oh, man. and things like that. Can't so, go wrong with that. Yeah, I'm like, I just go, boom, go do this. Boom, go do that. And everyone. Well, and bring it back around to our topic a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Some of that stuff can be kind of keyed off of the holidays. I mean, if you've got a, Mm -hmm. if you've got a character who is a little bit more on the nefarious side, a lot of the time, while there's major celebrations going on, people are focused more on the celebration and you can get away with things. If you have a character that's of an extremely virtuous bent, 
sometimes, you know, they'll wind up with some extra responsibility related to one of the holidays, and you can use that as an adventure seed. Yeah. Well, see, like, the thing that I wanted to draw out of that is the fact that it's the details that makes the game interesting. The reason that I'm having a good time in that one game because of that character is because that character has things in there that makes it interesting and unique and memorable. Like, no one's going to remember the holiday that you say is occurring, and then no one ever sees it occurring. Right. Like, if it happens off camera, what's the point? Yeah. But if you go into town and you start talking about how everyone's getting ready for some festival, fear the boot. And like, I think in one of their games, they had Febtober. Yeah. Which was some sort of weird holiday festival that was brought up by uh, uh, somebody just invented it out of whole cloth. Like, what's going on in the town? Yeah. Uh, It's a holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday. And from what they say, that added a whole bunch of... Uh, mm-hmm really good, interesting things to their game and hooks yeah. that people could play off of. And it said something about the culture. I think it, I think Febtober was a drinking, more nationalistic holiday. <laughs> yeah, but. probably. I had completely forgotten about Febtober until you brought it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, well, you could have a god of revelry and things like oh, that sure. that, you know, has the most debaucherous New Orleans-like holiday Ever. Mardi Gras with excess and all sorts of stuff and and parties in the streets and everything goes wild and the cops just sort of like throw up their hands and go, go crazy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just don't kill each other. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I did want to talk about, though, is that we've talked a lot about trappings and activities that may specifically relate to a particular holiday, some important event. It's very possible that over the course of generations or centuries or millennia, the meaning behind a lot of that is just lost. Does anybody know why on an Advent wreath the second candle that's lit is pink? No, I don't. Do you? I do. I just learned about this in Sunday school. The Pope on that particular day of Advent would always give a rose to someone, and that rose was typically pink. And so it was a sign of joy, and that translated to the Advent candle marking joy, being pink. Interesting. See, I I, I didn't even know what an Advent thing is. I'm like, oh no, I'm an Adventist. Is, is this, oh, it's something that's totally not done with me. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Where does the Advent wreath come from in the first place? You know, all the the greenery, Christmas trees and things like that. That's more the secular side of the holiday, but they're certainly part of it. Yeah, and it's interesting how you sometimes get those secular symbols and the, the traditional religious ones mixed together. You'll get, like, crosses wrapped in pine garland and stuff like that this time of year. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the most uh, egregious one that I heard about was a Santa crucifix. Ooh. Uh, oh, which, bad It's going a little far. I mean, I'm not yeah. terribly yeah. averse to... Oh, no, I, I, I don't think the person meant it as a serious thing. I think they just got it wrong. Gotcha. But yeah, but that's also uh, something that you have to uh, think about is uh, a lot of times, especially with Christmas, uh, mm-hmm. Christmas is the amalgamation of a whole bunch of other religious holidays into one religious holiday. Right. And on purpose as well. That's the thing. It was, hey, let's kind of overwrite this pagan holiday with something meaningful and see if we can just sort of get them to ignore the pagan holiday. Well, something meaningful to us. I think the pagans would (laughs) Yes, but you know what I mean. It's, it's It's part of the process of growth and change in our religion, in the church, and in as it expanded to different cultures. It's, well, how can we make it work in this culture? Yeah, and I, I think I think there was some wisdom in those early 
missionaries to some of the pagan cultures. It's like, there's really no reason why these people shouldn't be able to celebrate something on this day. Mm -hmm. We just want to make sure that they're celebrating something that's actually worth celebrating as opposed to, you know, what they were celebrating before. So if you're a new convert to Christianity and it's back in the, you know, the Celtic Isles and whatever century and you're really used to celebrating this midwinter festival when it's when it's dark and you know you you go and find like the one thing that's green and stuff well there's some good imagery in there about hope and stuff that melds pretty well with the birth of the savior so save what works and discard what doesn't yeah and then while i cringe a little bit at calling any religion or any religious thing like not worthy uh just because it's not my own i totally get what you're yeah, I, I'm I'm limited by the English language, Brandon. <laughs> I know I completely understand, but I wanted to I wanted to go out there and say that so in case someone who is not Christian is listening to this. Yeah, it it's, seem a, like it's a valid point and worth yeah. making, but it's mm-hmm. that's kind of where some of this absorption of symbology that originated in a different belief system comes from. Yeah. Right, and it, and it can take really odd forms, and you may look at it and say, "Well, how does this relate?" Yeah. And you really have to dig into it. And that can be something interesting to put into a game, I think. How did they start? Nobody knows. Nobody remembers anymore. Well, or, you know, it could be the local priest may know, but the guy, you know, building a human pyramid in the town square probably doesn't. Yeah. I actually have a little bit of uh, experience with just this one thing, because I'm fairly certain I've told you the story about Kark, which is my orc paladin character, who I I wrote a story about and and things like that. And well, uh, in his story, a really key moment happens at a uh, holiday in his village, uh, which I called Natien, which is sort of a religious holiday. Uh, Mm -hmm. The thing is, it's, it's from an old elvish tradition of like a, a sort of mid spring summer coming of age festival where um uh women dance around a fire to be blessed as fertile vessels and all the sort of things like that. Well, that's what it was originally. And then the story, it sort of changed because they're not in the Elven Kingdom anymore. This festival, which looked like a whole bunch of fun while, while the elves were doing it, so the humans started doing it. And of course, then the humans got it wrong, and uh, the humans started doing something else. And it sort of became something else where it was kind of a, a festival for arranging marriage and, and for you know women to go and try to choose the husband that they want in this culture, because mm-hmm. it's a uh, sort of feminized culture. I don't know what the correct word is. Semi-matriarchal? Uh, so, yeah, semi-matriarchal because of the goddess that controls the land. Gotcha. Uh, so it's hard to say, well, women aren't worth anything when the most powerful thing in the world is female. Uh, but yeah, that, so that is what I did in here is I took some other religion uh, that I made up and then I sort of twisted it to what I needed and then it was something different. But it made sense because why would these people in this village celebrate this old elven tradition of the goddess of love. Well, they wouldn't. But what they might do is hold a huge bonfire where the ladies dance around it as sort of a uh, yearly tradition of coming of age. So instead of having birthday parties for everyone in the village, they have this celebration. Yeah, May Day-ish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The thing about that is most of the religious holidays that exist, or certainly the ones in... Christianity and Judaism, and I, I maybe others, but I'm less familiar with those. They typically mark either something related to the founding and founding figures 
in that faith or major turning points in the faith. So like Passover, for instance. Passover, uh, Christmas, obviously, Easter, obviously, yep. Epiphany, Pentecost, things like that. But also Purim, for example, which is, I think, uh, I, I may be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure it relates to the founding of the, the Jewish state in the first century BC, I think, the Maccabeans. I'm not sure. Somebody correct me on that. I'm looking it up. Purim commemorates the deliverance of the Jewish people in ancient Persian Empire from a plot to Yeah, it's Esther. I, th- I was ah, thought it Esther, was Esther. It. Yeah, I thought it was Esther, but yeah. <laughs> I had the, de- the deliverance and founding bit right, just wrong time period. There we go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. One thing that I've had bouncing around in my brain ever since Peter suggested this topic is new religions and new religious holidays. For the most part, we kind of tend to assume that, well, these holidays have been around forever. You know, nobody remembers why we do these things. That It's a it's an ancient tradition. Yeah, everybody remembers why, but nobody remembers a time when it started or right. can can, you know, pin down a specific date. It's been for so many centuries that we think it was sometime in the fourth century of the faith, yeah. 2000 years, but we're not 100 percent sure. And yeah, we've been celebrating Christ's birth in one form or another for 2000 years. Yeah. Same with Easter. But if there's a new religion or a new religious holiday, that's in many ways just as interesting. You know, there's something fairly recent, maybe even just a couple of years ago, that sparked this particular observance. And that may be something that directly impacts the player characters because it's not all that long ago. It could directly impact the uh, player characters because they could have been involved in the events. Or they may have to deal with whatever that holiday is directly associated to. I know know you don't watch Firefly, but my mind instantly went to Janestown. Yes. Oh, yes, I've heard about Janestown. You know what uh, my mind immediately went to? Mistborn. Again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's not a major spoiler to say that the religions that are referenced in the fourth book were founded in the first three. Yeah. And there are several of them, and they all cluster around the same group of people. And it's very interesting to see how that kind of played out. And anything more would be spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And we don't want to do too many spoilers, but, you know, why this particular holiday was created is significant. And also... What do people do with a new holiday that has a religious significance to somebody? You know, is it we all know just why we're celebrating this day? Some huge important event happened and we, you know, we're greeting it with fervent celebration. Or is it this is new? Well, there is a sort of pseudo national holiday that has sprung up just in my lifetime, which is 9-11. Uh, that's, I'm not sure that qualifies as a holiday, though. For the first couple of years, it was a really big remembrance, and it had the possibility to become something like that. I don't think it's yeah. gone that way. but It hasn't, like, but no, you're right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a very somber thing. It's not... It's it's somber, and obviously, you know, it's a, a state holiday and observance for the most part, but it you're right, that same... There was definitely in the first couple of years after 9-11 a sense that it could have turned into a, you know, national holiday of some sort. Yeah. Back in the 40s, Pearl Harbor Day probably had, or mm-hmm. it sounds like at least talking to grandparents, it had kind of a similar vibe. 
Right. And for national holidays and things that happen to one specific nation, there has to be a, a certain level of, say, investment in remembering it that can ebb and flow over time. I think it can also ebb and flow for religious holidays, although less so. I think with religious holidays, it probably ebbs and flows with the observance of the religion itself. Well, yeah, but also, how much do you do on Epiphany? Uh, I don't even know when it is, so... It's 12 days after Christmas Day. Okay, then. Yeah, and I don't think most Protestants do much with Epiphany. I, I may be wrong about that, but certainly I don't as a Presbyterian, and I don't, hey, don't I think you do as a Methodist. Hey, I have plenty of Epiphanies. Nope. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is a marked religious holiday that used to be as important. That's the, the 12 days of Christmas is Christmas to Epiphany. Oh. Yeah. You know, it used to be more important than it is. And so, you know, as those come and go, again, with cultural changes, you may see that. And it, one thing that Brandon, and I think you also mentioned, is that some of these observances may be specific to a particular area, as small as a village or as large as a nation. And they may be vastly different from one place to another. I mean, how many different ways is Christmas celebrated around the world? Exactly, yeah. In in the Southern Hemisphere, don't they celebrate it by going to the beach? Well, because yeah, it's... there's no snow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it doesn't have all the winter trappings that it does up here in the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. Certainly in yeah. Europe. Also, different culture, uh, like, pervasiveness can really define things. Um, th this may be an urban legend that I'm just quoting, but I believe that the popular image of Santa Claus is... Coca-Cola? Yeah, it comes from Coca-Cola. Well, the the white beard has been around for a while. The the Father Christmas with the white beard, but the specific like bright red suit with white fur trim and stuff, that's a Coca-Cola ad. <laughs> it may have been something existing like, you know, towards the night before Christmas that Coca-Cola popularized. I'd have to do some research on that, but you're right that, you know, you have this different kind of trapping that all of a sudden gets solidified by advertising for all intents and purposes. Uh, apparently, Snope says uh, it is wrong that Coca-Cola invented it. But the very fact that it's yeah. believable enough says, you know, it's intriguingly easy for one particular entity to change perception of mm -hmm. something even as central to a culture as Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. And while it may not have done it in this case, it can be done. And that may be something that you can explore in a game. The other thing that I, I kind of wanted to talk about was what can happen when once you've established a religion and given it some of these holidays and given your players a sense of what to expect, what happens when you go to one village or town where a particular holiday is celebrated completely differently or it's only celebrated there? Yeah, and it would be really interesting if in one town the holiday is this joyous, festive celebration, and then the next it's this somber, mm -hmm. subdued kind of thing. I'm reminded of Avatar Day from The Last Airbender, where originally it's a celebration where they burn an effigy of the Avatar because the Avatar was a jerk to them in a former life mm -hmm. and then eventually through their interactions with ang they they end up kind of liking the avatar now yeah. because the avatar helps them out and, and you know what happens if in one particular town they're celebrating a particular holiday in a way that almost seems to run counter to the meaning of that holiday as you know it yeah. well for instance let's stick with christmas 
what if in one area, instead of like all of the charity and generosity and that sort of thing, it commemorated Herod's slaughter of all the other innocents? Yeah, you'd have to look at it and go, whoa, 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 why is this the case? What's going on yeah. here? It, you know, and is this something heretical? Are they getting a different meaning out of something? Are they celebrating something else? Is it, you know, here was a tragedy as opposed to what everyone else saw yeah. as a good? Well, that kind of goes back to state holidays and the whole idea of why don't they uh, celebrate the 4th of July in Britain? Well, it's because... The 4th of July to them would be, uh... We lost our colonies day, yeah. 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 <laughs> One of their colonies left them, so they don't want to remember that. So, right. you know, like, in, in the distant past, like, the 4th of July might have been a very bitter day for them. Well, and it was, because up until the very early 1900s, Britain was kind of enemy number one to the U.S., in part because Britain still owned Canada as a territory, we several times very nearly went to war with Britain through Canada after <laughs> the war of, 18, you know, after yeah, which is, 1776. Which is and funny really, that's how the war of 1812 started. But and it wasn't until World War One and the alliances that formed in Europe and across the Atlantic in the lead up to World War One that Britain sort of changed from the imperial force that we were still trying to keep our independence from to a potential ally and where we came from and, oh, we're, you know, we, we have all these common cultural connections to them. Whereas before it was, no, you know what? You got that funny accent. You get your red coat butt back across the pond. You know what was, what's really funny? Speaking of that, a friend of mine who is a massive history buff and is actually trying to become a historian mm -hmm. um, has described it as, at this point, Britain is like an empty nester. All yes. of the kids have gone through their, you know, their rebellious teenage years and all the havoc that that caused, and everybody likes each other again, and now everybody just gets together over Thanksgiving dinner and, and laughs, you know? <laughs> right. And for religious holidays, there might be some of that tension, or there might not be. Oh, oh especially if it's a religious holiday over some kind of huge holy war. Yeah, and uh, certainly in a um, in a fantasy campaign where you have multiple deities— Look at Greek mythology, where you often have one god outsmarting another god. If that happens within the reality of that setting, what are followers of God A going to think about a holiday that God B's followers celebrate when that holiday is, hey, remember that awesome time when our god outsmarted God A? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and you can even have some interesting stuff that happens when you have two religious holidays that take place around the same time from religions that aren't in conflict with each other. Yeah. Christmas and Hanukkah share a season most years, yep. and Christianity and Judaism are certainly not adversarial to each other now. There were certainly times in the past where they were. but it certainly used to be, yeah. Yeah, but at this point, you know, it's a little bit like Britain and the U.S. They, you know, it's like, oh, we came from there, we get along <laughs> we, fine now, you know, we, we do all this charitable stuff together. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Christianity is not, you know, trying to suppress Hanukkah, and Judaism is not trying to suppress Christmas, but unless you've got like a Messianic Jew or an interfaith household, it's very unlikely that you're going to celebrate both. Right. And it's still kind of awkward when it's, oh, oh, you're, you're not, oh, Hanukkah. Okay. Yeah. Or, oh, um, sorry, let me get the blue wrapping paper instead of the red. Well, spoken like a retail employee. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually one other thing I kind of wanted to briefly touch on, and that's 
holidays that don't necessarily have to do with a particular event, but are tied to a particular time. I'm thinking in particular of New Year's-like celebrations. Oh, okay. We're starting a new year. Everybody get together and do this thing so that the next year is good or foreshadowing uh, for our next episode. Right. You know, hey, we're going to pray and have this big festival before we go out and start planting for the year. Yeah. A harvest festival. Yeah. Or a planting. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm thinking I watched um, Taboo uh, months ago. I don't remember. When uh, Taboo was a, a show that I think National Geographic has canceled, but they're doing reruns occasionally. And it looks at the weird parts of the world and a really serious look at it, too. Not a, ah, ha, ha, isn't this funny how people are different from us? Really getting into why it's meaningful for these people. Things like, why are these children being raised in a prison? Well, it's because in India, a mother's care is so important that they take the you know young children into prison with them and consider that an incredibly good thing. But in this particular case, it was a, a Japanese festival. Basically, they pick one man in the village to sort of be the carrier of that village's bad luck for the year. Uh, and he goes through some various different rites and rituals. And then on a particular day, right around the new year, the entire village turns out, gets drunk, uh, sake's spraying everywhere, and this man has to go from one end of the village to the other. And he is mobbed to the point of death because everybody wants to touch him to give him their bad luck and start fresh. So he has to fight his way through this entire town's population that's crowding in on him, trying to touch him and slap him. You know, he leaves bruised and battered. People have had broken bones in the past and had their ribs crushed. Because he's got to walk from one end of the village to the temple, and everybody has to try and touch him. Why don't they just line up and, like... Because then you don't have a massive riot that's powered by sake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, why don't they just line up sake? Was first, <laughs> so, my and mouth. because it's tradition, and it's yeah. because that's how they've always done things, right? And, you know, listen, logical merits of it aside, like... Why don't they all line up and just, you know, he runs down the line and high fives everybody. And I could see high five day being pretty awesome. Yeah, um, <laughs> I could see it being the worst thing in the world. Well, yes. By the time you get to the end of the line, your hand is just raw and broken. Um, <laughs> it's not much better. You're right. But it's a particular time of the year and that becomes important. And I think that is more relevant in more diffuse religions, I'm going to say, if that makes any sense. Where, you know, we've got this sort of vague spirituality or this animism or a plethora of gods, but some of that may crop up even in very personal religions, you know, a religion tied to a particular personal relationship with a man and a god uh, like Christianity. So that can be a particular religious event that you may want to put in your game, and it can lead to some of these strange sorts of, you know, festivals, you know, here are these weird trappings. Everybody lines up and beats a man, you know, not like they're trying to hurt him, but he just, he ends up bruised and battered by the end of it. People are having to drag him through the crowd. Why? Well, it's because of all this strange stuff that has grown up over time. As I was mentioning in my time on uh, the RPG podcast thing is what makes mm -hmm. things interesting is idiosyncrasy. 
a culture that's all about peace and things like that, but has one holiday that is just about utter brutality and like gladiatorial combat and all sorts of fighting is really interesting because it's wait, that doesn't make sense. But if you come up with the reasons why it makes sense, then it's interesting. Right. Or there's, there's one European town. I think it's European Mm -hmm. where the town turns out and all these neighborhoods compete to, make enormous human towers where they're all standing in circles and standing on each other's shoulders and building these six, seven, eight people tall towers of humanity. Please tell me they do this in a grass field and not in a cement parking oh, no, no, lot. They do, it in a, they do it in the town square. Ugh. They're amazing. They do it incredibly well. They're these amazing towers of people. It's just fantastic to look at. It's awesome. But why do they do it? What does that celebrate? I don't even remember. Hmm. It's incredibly idiosyncratic. And it, that's the kind of thing that immediately makes players and anyone else who hears about it go, wait, what? Well, I'll yeah. remember that the rest of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you know, oh, right. It's the crazy tower building town, you know? Yeah. That kind of scratches the record in your brain. And you're like, wait, what? Right. Yeah. And, and it's because, as Brandon said, idiosyncrasies are interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're giving someone something that's out of the normal and, and it makes things Definitely not one note. Everything else can be one note. But here's another note. Here's this war note on this peaceful uh, society. Yeah, just one little discordant note in their otherwise harmonious culture. And yeah. So long as it makes sense. It still has to make sense. We're, we're the gods of peace and love. And just for one, this one day, it's, it's murder. It's the right. purge. Even that could be like, well, this is the one day where you get it out of your system. Sort of the Fat Tuesday Lent thing. Everybody goes crazy because there's about to be 40 days of fasting and repentance and observance. So let's all throw a party beforehand. Yeah. Or it could be this is the one week where you are supposed to let go, where all the other days are supposed to be as peaceful and passive as you can be. Uh, Yeah, a grand bacchanal. The other thing that a lot of uh, old uh, rituals and things happens is a lot of sacrifices. Animals, mostly. Uh of course, if you're sacrificing people, then you've got a really, really nasty okay, uh, but, religion. But yeah. it doesn't necessarily even have to be something living. I mean, actually, the tithe is a form of sacrifice, really. I mean, yeah. well, giving sure. up material possessions in, in a ritualized way is is a form of religious to a certain sacrifice. degree, that's kind of what we do on Christmas. Yeah. You know, we, we have this tradition that's been built up around the Christmas holiday, it's certainly not part of any strict religious observance where people are more generous around Christmas. They want to to give to those less fortunate. Yeah, that's like what we said earlier in the episode about giving to charity more. Right. It, it speaks to the values associated with that holiday and that religion and the people celebrating it. So, so I think we're kind of wrapping up here, yes? We are. Yeah. Okay. I want to tack one thing onto the end of this podcast that wasn't in Do- our outline. Because we are a specifically Christian podcast, what is your favorite Christmas tradition and what is your favorite Christmas song? Favorite Christmas song, I think, is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Okay. It just hits all the right notes for me, pun intended. <laughs> and Christmas tradition, it's a little tricky because we've got a, a little one in our house. We're kind of changing some of those or they will be changing over the next couple of years. I think my favorite growing up was Christmas morning, not, you know, the, the rush downstairs and get presents, but the family comes over and we have this kind of Christmas brunch, mom baked bread. And we had, 
you know, scrambled eggs and these nice, very rich kind of Christmassy foods that like the smell of cranberry bread in my mind is only associated with Christmas. You know, you have Christmas music going and it's just, it's kind of a chance to see everybody. And then the presents happen, but that's, I think, my favorite tradition. Okay. Brandon, how about you? Probably something like grandma got run over by a reindeer. <laughs> uh, I'm fairly certain that there's some Christmas song that I like. Cause, I mean, like, mostly Christmas songs are okay, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, the Baby Boomer era holiday songs, those generally don't appeal to me. I, the more traditional Christmas hymns, those are the ones that appeal to me. My personal favorite is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day because it covers so much of how bleak our situation is without Christ and how hopeful it is with him. Mm -hmm. And then as far as traditions go, since we've started, my wife and I have started going to a bit more of a traditional denomination, mm -hmm. the traditional candlelight Christmas service right. is something I really like. Um, I love all the symbolism and it's yeah. just, it's a really neat... I've never done things. that much. Oh, my so cool. my old church did have one, and we went occasionally, but we didn't go often. I think one of the traditions we're going to start doing over the next few years is the church's nativity play, because my wife has actually been asked by the church to do all the costumes for it and start oh, very reworking cool. all the costumes. Um, they just started doing it a couple years ago and basically said, okay, can anybody in the church sew? A few people kind of said, yeah, I can. Okay, can we get costumes from all of you? So we had all these people just throwing together costumes. and Well, that's kind of cool. It, it was really cool. And they're all, you know, really made with a lot of love and a lot of purpose to them, which is great. But you have different perspectives, you know, so you have three very incoherently different wise men, things like that. Hmm. Um, I, I think I got another one. Winter okay. Wonderland. Okay. I'm looking up a whole bunch, and there's a whole bunch that I like. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, run, Run, Rudolph. Uh, I don't even know that one. Feliz Navidad. So so Brandon goes more for the fun stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like the fun stuff. Well, uh, I mean, I, I also like White fair. Christmas. Yeah. And one of one kind of cool family tradition that my family has is my parents will... My dad actually reads the Christmas story out of the Bible before we open presents on Christmas morning. Nice. And actually, no, you know what? That's my favorite one. You're right. As a kid, every year on Christmas Eve, we would sit down together as a family and we would read the Polar Express and the night before Christmas. And it was just kids in their pajamas and everybody sort of gathered around. And especially when we were little kids, okay, we've, we've read those things. It's time to put cookies out for Santa and go to bed. And it's not particularly religious, but it's just this wonderful family time. Yeah. You know, and so it really kind of burns brightly in my mind. Sweet. All right. I think I figured out what my one really big Christmas tradition that we've kept up with is. Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm a teenager now. And I, with my parents, and my parents no longer really do Christmas. Okay. Mom likes decorating for Christmas, so we'll probably bring up, bring up the tree and everything like that. But it's not like we get anything. It's not like we open up presents anymore. But right. the one right. thing that we do have as a Christmas tradition is every year, my mom gets me and my sister an ornament. Okay. And yeah, and it's, it's usually something that she thinks we're going to like. I've got a whole bunch of Star Wars ornaments. I've got an Abbott and Costello who's on first where they press the button and they do part of the routine. 
Nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, my and wife I, has yeah. one that's uh, the Twilight Zone intro, and I think I've got <laughs> one that's um, a Tetris arcade machine. <laughs> yeah. Can I change mine again real quick? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I just remembered the most important one. Um, and I missed it last year, which really upset me, is doing Christmas cookies with the family. Oh, that's so nice when you can do it. Every year, and I'm fortunate that my family lives like 30 minutes away from me. But my sister comes down from Chicago even for this. And we wait to do it until she's down for Christmas. And we get together as a family. Mom bakes a bunch of cookies and we sit down with a bunch of colored and flavored icing and various different decorating things. And we decorate all these cut out Christmas cookies. And what makes it fun is we're making these cookies to give away. Right. And they're pretty tasty. You know, they're sugar cookies with frosting on them. You can't go wrong. And somewhere along the way, we started, I think it's because we ran out of green one year. We're like, well, we've got all these Christmas trees, or we've got like one or two Christmas trees left, and we're completely out of green. What do we do? And I think dad was like, well, this Christmas tree is going to be on fire. And <laughs> we now like do half serious Christmas cookies and half horribly gag wrong gag cookies. Christmas cookies. <laughs> Uh, or just wildly wrongly colored Christmas cookies. And it's just, it's fun and That's we laugh hilarious. about it and it's it's great. Yeah, I miss that tradition from the days before I worked in retail. Yeah. I am fortunate that I work a job where I can get off at 5.30 and, you know, have that. Although last year I had to miss it because I was on a call till about 11 o'clock. So, Ugh. yeah. The fun thing about doing support is that you're never not on call. The customer who can't figure out how to work something waits for no man. Yeah, exactly. And the customer in a different time zone still needs help. Yeah. I think we should wrap this up here. I do yeah. want to wish all of our listeners a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Same here. And I want to thank all of you for listening. It's been a really good year for us. We've had a couple of hiccups this year, but we've overcome those, and I think we're pretty much back on track. Yeah, I think we had a little bit of a slump early on, and then we kind of powered through that, and, and we've now been we're going back. strong ever since. So yeah, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the next year. I think our next episode is going to be kind of a, a New Year's episode where we're making yeah. resolutions for the year, like we did last year. Checking in on how we did on the old ones. Oh boy, yeah, I'm, I'm dreading listening to that. <laughs> yeah, so am I. I'm I'm dreading recording it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try maybe not to swing for the fences so much in 2014. Yeah. Although, you know what? I met mine. I'm running a game. Oh, yeah. And it's a fun game, too. I'm glad you like it. Oh, I do. <laughs> Savage Shadowrun, where things actually happen quickly. Yes. We were able to make it through an entire Shadowrun in, what, four hours? Not even... Let's say six. Well, a two-hour planning session beforehand, and then a two-hour go-through-the-Shadowrun thing Yeah. the next time. So, yeah, four hours for a whole Shadowrun. Not bad. The Shadowrun game is making me want to play Shadowrun now. It's a fun game. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I would need someone to run it for me, because I also need someone yeah. to run Battletech for me, because I want to... Yes, and we definitely need somebody to run Battletech for us. Yeah. <laughs> we should have asked nope. Ben when we had him on. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Did you kind of hear me go, you're playing a Battletech game? I'm like... Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I want yeah. to... Yeah, I know. Jealous. All right. Let's wrap it up, folks. Yeah, I agree. All right. Merry Christmas, well, folks, everybody. Merry Christmas. Have a good one, and we will catch you next time. All right. Peace. See ya. This has been a production of Saving the Game. Copyright 2013. This podcast may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial 
non-derivative license, provided that credit is given to savingthegamepodcast.org. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. For past episodes, podcast news from our hosts, or to connect with us, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.